Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm Christine Heath, and I'm here with Judy Sedgman. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the principle of consciousness and kind of the workings of consciousness and why we even are talking about that. Like, what consciousness? Like, oh, what is that? That's kind of how I felt about it um, when I first heard about it. But, you know, just to kind of keep it simple, we're talking about the ability to be aware of of life, of ourself, of anything. And that's one of those spiritual gifts that's part of the energy of life. But seeing how it works is the trick because otherwise we get easily tricked by our thinking because consciousness is like the, the role it plays is to make you see your thoughts. And so if you, if you understand that's what's happening, you know that's what's creating the, that experience. If you don't, you get caught in the experience, right? And it seems like the experience is coming from your life, like you're like you're in this giant movie, like 3D movie theater, and you're the star of the movie, and it's like you never know what's coming next because you didn't write the, the screenplay. But really, that's just the nature of how consciousness works in all people. So that's why we call it a um, a principle because it works the same way in everybody. Now, again, the difference is our personal thinking we talked about last week. That's what makes our separate reality different and consciousness is what makes those thoughts seem real and it's and our consciousness as awareness is not just the ability to visualize our thoughts to see them in that sense is real but it's also the ability to feel them to experience them throughout the whole sensory system and i think this is where people often get very kind of tricked up in consciousness because um again it's like it let's talk about taste and smell because that's been in the news a lot because of covid and there are people that lose their sense of taste and smell they can't the the system doesn't work anymore and i have a friend who's just she's had very mild symptoms but she lost her sense of smell and she can't cook she just doesn't care. She just doesn't. All food looks the same to her. She can't season it. She doesn't know what to. She just can't. She has no. To, and she said, I really never realized how important a sense of smell was to things that I do as a cook. She's actually a very good cook. So, uh, you know, those those sensory abilities are built into our body, but the ability to experience them comes from our consciousness. And when, when the body isn't functioning, the consciousness has nothing to work with. So, you know, she's, she said, you know, like I opened up this big, big thing of garlic and I started to chop garlic and I couldn't even, I didn't, I didn't know when to stop. You know, I didn't know how much to put in because it, I didn't smell it at all. And, and then she couldn't taste it either. 
So I think we have to realize that that um, we what we think is also creating our sensory experience. It's like sometimes people say, how come people with chronic pain used to ask me, how come it's so much worse sometimes than at other times? Like I had this one woman who had fibromyalgia and she said, you know, sometimes I can't even go to work. I just can't. I can't. I can't get dressed. And other days I can get up and get dressed. And I don't understand that. I don't understand why it's not the same all the time. And really, she was a person that had a lot of highs and lows mood wise. And and really it was she started when we started to look at it, she realized that when she was when she woke up in a good mood, kind of at peace, had a good night's rest, you know, woke up feeling interested in the day and looking forward to it, that the pain didn't bother her. And on the days when she woke up thinking, oh, I didn't sleep enough, I'm tired, I had a bad dream, I don't really want to do what I have to do, she'd have all these negative thoughts, the pain, the pain came into the foreground and it would stop her. And that was a, a real shock to her to discover that her pain was holding her back. Uh, but it wasn't her pain, it was her thoughts. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, she was like, oh my gosh. I could I I could live with this if I if I really understood all I have to do is put my head back down close my eyes for a minute calm down and when she did that it made a big difference you know her thinking cleared and then the pain didn't seem so important it doesn't mean it went away you don't you're not curing your pain you're experiencing it differently depending on the nature of your thought yeah it's it, it to me um I I would, when I first started to see how this all worked, one of the things I noticed was that I had this, you know, kind of trauma when I was in college. I got assaulted by a, a burglar. And so whenever I was in a house that seemed like a vulnerable place to me, right? Like if I yeah. was locked away in my car somewhere, it wouldn't have the same effect. But when I was in a house, it would seem to me that there was always somebody trying to break in. So I would hear people in the basement. I would hear people outside the window. I would hear, kind of always be on alert, waiting for somebody to come in. And whenever I'd move into a new house, I would be in that, at the effect of those those thoughts, because consciousness made it seem like it was so real. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the the thing, and and so as I learned the principles, I was kind of went through a an unfolding of my understanding that those thoughts weren't real. But even after I knew it, it would still create this reality where, man, I was sure there was, you know, somebody outside the the window. And so I would I would do things like, okay, I'm going to put a bat underneath the the the, the bed, mm-hmm. and so if that. If I know that's there, then I can go to sleep. But it was just ways to give myself permission to not be afraid. But I, it was it was interesting for me because those consciousness made that seem real because I I'd, I'd had an experience where I was kind of in danger, right? And and that memory of that is what I carried through time, and mm-hmm. so then it, it transposed onto the next house and the next event like closing my eyes when I couldn't, I was someplace in public or on the airplane even. I would never do that because who knows what could happen 
in, in that place. I couldn't be, I wasn't in control of it. So, you know, it's like the, the last time I was really bothered by it um, was when my, uh, and I don't know if I told this story on this podcast or not, because I tell it frequently, but I'm going to do it again anyway, because it's such a good one. But my, we had bought this house. It was a, a, a kind of a, a ranch house, ranch style house in Minnesota, and it was a fixer upper. And the weekend we moved in, my husband went on a trip to San Diego for business. So I go to bed, no problem. I don't, I'm not thinking about it. I, I'm, I'm not even mildly aware that I'm home alone. And I lay down in bed with my two Pomeranians. And all of a sudden, I hear somebody walking over my head. Hmm. And my heart starts pounding so fast. I felt like my heart was coming out of my chest. I was frozen. I could not move. I was like, oh, my God, somebody's upstairs. And I looked down at my two Pomeranians, and they're on their backs, sleeping just (laughs) as quickly as you could be. And then it was like that, that did something for me. And then my wisdom came in and said, Chris, there's no second floor on your house. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, what am I hearing? And you know what it was? It was the pulse in my ear. I could hear the, it was the sound of my, the pulse in my ear. And my brain just took it and put it outside of me and made it seem like it was coming from upstairs where there was no upstairs, but it was as real as you, it was just like (gasps) grabbed my, grabbed me by the throat, you know, and it was so real. And then as soon as that thought came in, I started laughing, of course. Right. Yeah. But then I was curious, like, really, how did that get created? And then, then I, then it came to me. I didn't think that just like, oh, that's what it is. Interesting. So our little, our little mind does that. It just kind of like creates Mm -hmm. this experience. Like I didn't even know I was insecure about it, but honestly, when that happened, that was the last time I was bothered by those thoughts. Like every once in a while, when I moved into my house here, which was the next house that I live in, I, um, the thought will cross my mind, like there might be somebody in the kitchen. And then I'm like, oh, go to bed. (laughs) No, you're fine. But it's like that's kind of the nature of consciousness is it takes an experience that you had and then it makes up a new one for you. Mm -hmm. And it makes it seem like it could be happening here because there's you still have that thinking in your head that you're not safe. You know, and I was thinking, and as you were telling that story, is that we always talk about levels of consciousness, and levels of consciousness is our deepening awareness that everything is thought. You know, it's like when you suddenly realize, oh, that was thought. You know, then that you take that realization sort of uplifts your understanding, and then the next time it's not as 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 powerful because you understand quicker. Oh no, that's thought. And when you don't remember that it's thought is like you're at a lower level of consciousness, it it bothers you for longer or could bother you a lot. And if you didn't know it at all. And so I think when we talk about levels of consciousness, sometimes that sounds kind of airy fairy, but really what it is, is our understanding of the fact of thought, the fact that everything that we're experiencing is brought to us by our own thinking. Um, That, 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 uh, that, increasing awareness and depth of that awareness is is a 
is is the elevator up through the levels of consciousness. And because I know that's true for me, there are, there are things that we just don't recognize as thought. You know, we start thinking, oh, yes, well, my opinions are thoughts. I get that. But, you know, some memory that has plagued us, you know, we don't think that's thought. That's something that's an important part of my, you know, is baked in somehow into my experience. And then suddenly you say, oh, no, that's thought, too. It's over now. I don't I can't experience it unless I think about it. And then when you think, well, you know, yeah, that's true. But then this. You know, my um, my spiritual beliefs, my religious beliefs are thoughts. You know, they're not thoughts that those are those are real. And then suddenly you realize, we well, you know, there are people that believe differently from me and they're just as profoundly touched by their beliefs because those are just really important thoughts. You know, they're they're wonderful. They're beautiful. They they support my feeling of reverence and awe for the universe. But there's just the form that my thoughts have taken or my religion and other people have the same kinds of thoughts and they make different pictures with them and then that makes you more tolerant so you know all of the all of the changes in our levels of consciousness it means just that the awareness of thought is deeper yeah it's um it's very interesting because consciousness kind of is yeah and and you can see the result of a shift in a level of consciousness mm-hmm. and so I, I remember that I was talking to Sydney Banks one time about my concern about the planet and mm-hmm. the environment and I said but Sid like people aren't paying attention to this what what are we going to do and he goes oh well he said consciousness will just recreate itself somewhere else <laughs> and when he said that, I thought, wow, I have no idea what consciousness is then. Like, it's not just mm-hmm. mechanical, right? There's a there's an aliveness. It, to me, that's the aliveness of the energy of life. Mm-hmm. And, and so as our consciousness awakens to our health, we live in a state of well-being more of the time. Mm-hmm. But that's where it, you can't like think your way there, right? Because now we're now we're in the content of thought again. But knowing that that state of mind is within you, mm-hmm. and awakening to that is becoming aware of really of higher levels of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So you know how that is with people. Like they'll get an insight about something, and then their whole life changes. And so they think the insight was about the content of that thinking, right? But they just saw really how the principles work. They saw how thought and consciousness works. They saw right. their health, whatever it was, mm-hmm. from a different space. Mm-hmm. And that turns you around when you do that. Now you're not outside in. That's right. You know, I, I, now when I think about that too, I, re, I remember I, I used to get very um, – confused by the idea that the principles are universal. And, and when you ask Sid about it, he, you'd think universal means applies to all of us. But he didn't mean that. And nobody means that. The word universal means it applies to the universe, the whole infinite universe. And that's, that's kind of overwhelming because our little pea brain has trouble kind of managing the idea of the whole infinite universe. But 
it's it's also very comforting as as you come to peace with it. It becomes very comforting to know that that the the universe is not going to end. You know, different aspects of the universe end, and in, including you know, like I've often thought, it's interesting to me to think about the fact that we're so hung up on cleaning up Earth and trying to keep the human race going. And I'm thinking that it may not just be important in the whole universal scheme of things that the human race goes on like the dinosaurs thought they were something too but they all disappeared you know but for a while they ruled the earth and the dinosaurs were the most the biggest and most important and most powerful creatures on earth and uh you know everything is transitory but that's part of the beauty of the whole system you realize that universal power is life itself and that's never that doesn't, that is eternal and universal. So consciousness is also, uh, it's kind of like the destination too. It's like, I remember one time when Sid said, you know, the body dies, but consciousness never dies. And that, that's, that's really what he was saying when he said consciousness will just go somewhere else, you know, I think. And that, that's kind of deep and weird, but it isn't. If you just allow it to, just allow it to, to percolate. You know, that's very comforting because we are consciousness brought to form as people thinking and our con- the fact of consciousness, the power of consciousness brings our thinking to life for us. And it gives us a very interesting opportunity to observe the universe and to learn about things and to see life. And then who knows, you know? Yeah, who knows? That's the, that's the, the brilliance of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like there is no end to it. Right. And so if what we're pointing to just lets you see that you're that that life has you. Yeah. Like you're okay. And mm-hmm. that yeah, we go through lots of crazy stuff in in our lifetime. But knowing that you're okay there and the best shot you have at life in this reality is going to be from listening and and being conscious of that natural wisdom that's in you right it makes you so much more confident because you realize you don't have to know everything right you don't have to have the content of the thinking in your head to to know what to do that's the brilliance the brilliance of life is astounding to me because you can't really what you said like it's too much to think about right although people will try to make stuff up about you know like i often think people I hear people talking about the the um, uh, duality and the non-duality of life, and it's it's like they they start talking over their heads sometimes. As people when people will do that, or or people that are involved in some spiritual thing or whatever, they're talking about you know things that really we can't think about, but we all know. Like we all know when people say that everyone is love. Everyone comes from the same place. There's kind of a knowing about that. And then we think, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's like we might go to the yeah, content. Right. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say we might go to the content of thought, but it, it's uh, there's a knowing there. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the, what one of the things that I discovered at one point when I was in conversation with a lot of um, religious scholars about the principles 
you know, whether what what they how they related to the ideas of religion. And, you know, what 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 came out of that discussion really was that every religion in the world starts with the power of love. The God is love. Whatever God is to them, whatever form it takes, God is love. And and there's nobody that says God isn't love, you know, so or the power or whatever it is is not love. And that's kind of the universal, that's a universal knowledge that's at the heart of life. And I, I always think of, you know, as people's levels of consciousness rise, they get closer and closer to true unconditional love. Because conditional thinking is using your personal thinking to judge life as opposed to just loving life and experiencing life, letting it in. So when we when we get caught up in our personal thinking and our consciousness will bring that power, will bring to life whatever is on our mind. So in this in this form, that's what happens. But if if we start, you know, understanding more and more that um that personal thinking is interesting, but it's not the important thing. And that then our consciousness turns more and more to the universal experience of love of life, of just feeling connected and feeling like oneness with the whole world and universe beyond. And everybody gets that feeling sometime. I used to think about that when I was a little kid, the first time I went to camp, I guess I was nine the first year I went to camp. And we used to, uh, we went, we'd sleep outside sometimes. We never really hiked far away from camp, but there was a beautiful grove of trees not far from where the cabins were. And on some beautiful evenings, you know, one of the cabins, the counselors would say, let's get our tents and we'll go, we'll sleep outside. And the kids love that. And sometimes we didn't even bring the tents. We just brought sleeping bags because it was summer. It was nice. And you'd look up at the sky you know, and see all the stars. The camp was in the woods. There was no light, no light obscuring the sky. And if you're in a place where it's all just natural, the stars are amazing. Um, and you'd look up and you'd think, oh, my gosh, what's out there? What is all of that? And yet you feel close to it. You wouldn't be scared by it. I never knew anybody little looking up at the sky, getting scared about the vastness of the sky. It was beautiful. And it was it was appealing. And that to me is like those moments where our consciousness is in touch with the, the universalness of itself. You know, we become conscious that we're some we're part of something bigger. You know, the the other piece to this is that we think that what we see that we see life with our eyes. <laughs> but if you go to an eye doctor, they'll tell you that you yeah. are not seeing life with your eyes. Now think about that for a minute. Yeah. Well, then what are we seeing with? And that's kind of what consciousness does is it creates a reality to see yeah. from your own thoughts. Right. We're seeing from and, within. And because we share a reality, you know, we, we share similar, we see similar realities mm-hmm. to people that we share that with, but it's all different. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's kind of incredible. Like, that the whatever we see as life, like I have, a, I have a little girl, she gets really anxious and she said, oh, Chris, I just think like, what if this is really a dream? <laughs> you know, like, she, like she kind of had an insight about that. And then she thought about it in a different state of mind and, and uses it as a way to scare herself. I said, well, so what if it's just a dream? She goes, well, oh my God, you know, it's not real. I said, well, 
it's as real for you if it's a dream as it is for me if it's a dream. That's just the reality of, of life. Yeah. And, and I said, so it would be okay if it was a dream. Mm-hmm. So whatever you, you want to think about that, that's okay, but don't scare yourself. There's nothing to be afraid of. That's just right. your little pea brain trying to get itself around something. It cannot. Right. That's lovely. Um, I love that story. Yeah. So dream on, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> dream so on. dream on and uh, uh, remember that uh, you're the dreamer. Right. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Aloha. Bye-bye. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 